Welcome to Creatives Chat, episode 29, featuring Abby Blackwell. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Creatives Chat, as creative minds get together and chat about who knows what. We shall begin our show now. Streaming from Retro Earth Studio and brought to you by We Are Storically Conscious Brand Apparel. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Creatives Chat. I'm Rusty. I'm Peter. And we are live streaming every Thursday at 3.33 p.m. on our Facebook page, our group page, and our YouTube page. So, Peter, tell our viewers who our guest is going to be today. Ooh, Rusty, we have a badass, multifaceted, double and electric bassist. She's from Seattle. She's been a member of so many musical scenes here in the community. And I'm talking about like improvised rock, classical jazz multiple avenues of the classical music fields. And in addition, she's played with some of the biggest stars you know, including Mac Lamore, Luz, Jackson Brown, Jonathan Wilson, Red Ribbon, uh, some Scandinavian artists like Mirkir. And I'm just telling you, yo, like she's played on Seattle Modern Orchestra. I'm so happy to have on one of my childhood friends, Miss Abby Blackwell. Well, wonderful. Join us as Peter and Abby chat about who knows what. Oh, Abby, it's been so long. Welcome to Creative Chat. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Oh, I can't wait to really just dive deep and catch up. So I think really the topic of the hour is how have musicians like yourself been staying busy during the Rona? Hmm. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> Well, I guess I'll speak for myself. Uh, I've been teaching, I guess, no, nice. maybe a little bit more. I, I've picked up a couple students magically, but all online. So, you know, I'm teaching. Uh, I just moved into this room, but uh, I'm teaching out of this room now. But um, yeah, and then there have been a lot more live stream concerts or pre-recorded live stream concerts that, um, you know, I've, I've done a couple of them and I'm seeing a lot more uh, pop up. Uh, here and there. And there's this, um, this uh, site, the streaming service that is popped up in, um, in Seattle and it's put on by, um, or, you know, created by musician slash developer um, mm. called live concerts stream that uh, they have concerts like every single night, I think, <laughs> or basically every night. And so it's, uh, it's, it's been a great way for people to make a little bit of money especially for musicians that were like exclusively gigging basically for their um, financial life. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of it. You know, I see like on the internet, people seem to be like writing a lot and being very like, you know, using this as their, you know, uh, like a retreat kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I'm like, congratulations. I am like just in a hole, you know, just like I'm <laughs> digging myself out of that hole. But um, no, the first couple months were like, okay, so what is music? Why do I like music? I don't even like listen to music anymore. And like, you know, and I feel like I don't have anything to practice because before I was like basing my practice around what music I was learning for, you know, whatever gig I was 
going to play. So anyway, yeah. there's lots of ups and downs depending on who you talk to, depending on what you did before, depending on what you do now. So, uh, yeah, it's fine. I love it, though. I mean, because it just goes to show the honesty and the true aspect of what the as I see it, what coronavirus has really been offering people is that time to really have that introspective looking and to really question things and kind of get their groove back or dive into new things. So, you know, the fact that yeah. you get yourself out, I mean, we, we can only reach the mountain when we go through the valley, right? Yeah, sure. that's <laughs> what I've heard anyway. <laughs> right. Limit practice. Yeah. But ultimately, I guess I'm really curious is I saw something what was on your Instagram. You were talking about just like getting back into music and just kind of pushing 15 minutes of practice and improv a day. Yeah. So what'd you gain from that? Well, um, I gained some sense of, uh, well, a community actually, because when I, when I put that out there and I like put it on Facebook oh, wow. too, um, you know, I got, you know, 30 or 40 of my musician friends, um, from, around the country uh you know they're like wow i feel you know feel the same but it's like everyone is posting like oh my gosh i love you know having this like new time to work on my music it's like i'm happy for you i'm happy for you but i don't feel that um I'll restrain myself um I'll let it loose let it loose <laughs> um so it was it was nice to like, you know, we got like a, a group chat kind of going and like talking about like, yeah, you know, I practiced this or like I wrote a song or I worked on this thing for the first time in forever. And so, you know, the 15 minutes of a, a day, sometimes it was 15 minutes and sometimes it was like an hour or two or something for me personally um, yeah. and other people. But it was nice to just like have some kind of impetus and some sort of like group accountability um, to to. Yeah do something that wasn't like walking my dog <laughs> that's kind of what i base my day around um uh fur babies always yeah they're a lot of energy um so yeah it was it was it was nice to have a little bit of something outside of myself because personally mm. i've been kind of uh building it, my music career you know around um outside or you know external sources of um you know playing other people's bands or recording other people's stuff or having a gig I have to learn something for um in addition to you know working on my own stuff uh, yeah. and having them kind of like build each other um up energy wise and like yeah product productivity wise I guess so Ooh. kind of, kind well, of that's... fallen off the whole practice recently but yeah i'm thinking about it that's the, that's the first step so well it's the natural process of life right you have to have some type of contraction and relaxation phase because i mean just for yourself i know you're the rap sheet of just different musicians and artists you've worked with is pretty amazing just when looking at it so the way the things that pop off i mean obviously you got the macklemore that's going to be like the one of the bigger names that people are going to like resonate with but it's like k flay you like the hickok soundtrack you know it's like you've worked with a ton of different people and i know i'm going to butcher her name i had to practice this but it's a uh, the miracle yeah the miracle yeah miracle yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah i have been lucky to like know people who are working on those things so you know it's not like whatever i'm 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 pleased with with uh having done those things you know <laughs> um yeah, well it's bringing you insight i feel like right yeah yeah helps to kind of frame a lot of things i think 
Mm, interesting. Well, I guess that's something that I kind of want to dive into is what have been some of the more influential experiences on kind of like developing your own sound, your own techniques, you know, like even from like the professional business side, like who is mm. the like the most inspirational one to work with? You had to. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, I like so when I did those um yeah, those top three the first three, you know, the Macklemore and the Hickok and Cave. So that's all with this um violinist um Andrew Joslin in Seattle. And so he does a lot of arranging and um composition stuff. And so uh, you know, what I've taken from those, even though I was just like a session person, um playing with like some other string players, uh, you know, working with Andrew, it his uh like work ethic <laughs> basically you know he's like always hustling and so it, and he always has you know a job he always has something that he's working on so i'm mm. like okay you know i can i could do that too you know not like arranging not what he's doing but like you know i could work that hard <laughs> develop the abby hustle <laughs> i wanted to um but that kind of stuff and then you know in other situations like playing in other people's bands or touring like um I don't know, just, uh, I did this one tour with, um, uh, my friend Cassandra Jenkins and, uh, we, we recorded, uh, a show and I think that's on my website. Um, but yeah, I mean, just playing with her, just her, like, you know, positivity and like, um, just openness towards playing music, I guess. And just like mm. people, how excited people are some people are to play music and to like tour and to just like be there and just, you know, connect with people um, via music or, you know, backstage or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that I personally will like get wrapped up in the, you know, how to like get into the gig, you know, it's like such a hassle, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'd much rather just be home (laughs) sometimes, you know? And whereas, you know, and then I get there and then there are these people who are just like, yeah, I'm so, so excited to be here and to like play with you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh yeah, duh. This is like amazing. This is an amazing thing to be able to do. Um, so a little perspective sometimes. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like when you're so caught up in like the, I mean, cause you're a really seasoned and talented musician. I think you just like professionally, like academically, Again, everything that's going on is it's been that time to really just hone yourself and kind of ask those questions. And I mean, again, I always try to give people, you know, the proper respect, like, you know, real recognizes real, as I so often say, and people always hear me chat it out. But it's it's one of those things when you're courageous enough to really question those things. I think that's always the first step of really accountability and growth, transformation, whatever it is, you know, people want to call it. But so many people lack that basic insight to really just look inward and question themselves Mm -hmm. it's always like oh it always warms my heart what I see and hear about it (laughs) yeah I could use a little bit more of it myself but you know baby steps baby steps (laughs) little every day exactly well the law of inertia I mean the wheel keep us keep Mm -hmm. on spinning um now I guess the one thing that really kind of sounds apparent with this is that it's kind of changed your perspective has that changed your sound and musical expression Well, I mean, I will say that I am less, I'm not missing, I guess, like how much improvised music I was playing. Um, And so there's this thing called the Racer Sessions, Mm. which happened at Cafe Racer, rest in peace. Uh, It just, it it closed. Um, So I think they're going to open up a physical space again when it's all said and done. But um, 
Uh, and so there's a session or there was a session there every Sunday, which is a free improvisation session. And so I, when I went to UW undergrad, um, yeah, so 2009, Ooh, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, free improvisation was a completely new concept to me. I did not know people did that. Um, and oh, so, wow. you know, that's, that has been like a major part of my like playing and musical, you know colleague circle um for the last million years and i'm not really like missing that part of playing and uh and in like i guess about a year-ish ago i actually started writing more uh songs for or sorry any songs for guitar and like singing so you know like song songs um not like you know jazz tune um and so i'm kind of it's like kind of shifting a little bit and that's i guess it's kind of funny because all of the i guess not all uh, a lot of the bands that i would get hired to play with were you know singer songwriters or rock bands or you know like real capital s song (laughs) the way people think about it um writers and um and so now i'm kind of shifting into that headspace a little bit more um my own self and um i i haven't worked on that stuff for the last couple months been in a little bit of a you know rut as we've already discussed but um <laughs> but at the beginning i was i was actually writing a a few songs and i have enough for a record which i'm kind of in the process of working on recording and stuff um so that's kind of like that's where my focus is shifting a little bit more these days Mm. yeah i like it well i'm curious because you know bring it back to the ray internal volume (laughs) i just love the flow of that and i think the one thing is that you know you can really i mean for me notable musicians i can always tell when it's they're really actually expressing themselves when you can feel the emotion or when it really evokes that deep emotion and ray was interesting because it kind of it went dark and then it picked up you know (laughs) and so I'm just so curious on the creative process of what's going on in Abby's mind when you're composing, when you're leading a group versus playing with a group. Like, yeah. how has that experience been? Yeah, that was definitely a first for me. Um, and those songs were written during my um, master's program. So okay, that I finished, I don't know what year it is now. So I think... I finished in 2019. That's what it was. Okay. So, (laughs) so those songs were actually written like that year, that school year, 2018, 2019. Um, and, uh, and basically what that was, was, um, I would have a lesson with the, uh, drum professor, Ted poor, and he would play drums and Ronan, the guitarist on the record would, um, come and, you know, play. And we just kind of like, run through a tune that I wrote that week and that most of which were on that record and, and just kind of like talk about it. And the thing that I am just like, so grateful for is that Ted would be like, okay, well, what do you mean by this? You know, what does this on the page mean? Or what do you mean by that? Whatever word you just said, you know, like actually if you're going to lead a band, you have to use words that other people are going to understand because that's the only way we can communicate. Um, you know, and so, uh, so really just kind of like asking those questions and making me think about that kind of a thing. Um, and then giving a space to just kind of, you know, have a rehearsal, but with no end goal. It's not like we're going to 
play a show or anything Ooh. like that. Um, but then, uh, you know, so I started working with um, Evan uh, Whittle, the drummer on the record, and and Ronan, and um, we, you know, I definitely had ideas for the shape of each melody basically but then mm -hmm. a lot of the um arrangements you know who's gonna go here is this gonna like swell here you know this should this part be before this um that was uh, a group activity um and so it, that was really really helpful because like at some point somebody like i don't know i've been like playing this thing for you know a month and i don't know any i don't know anymore i can't hear i can't he i can only hear this thing that i've been playing not like how oh, it yeah. is gonna expand you know so yeah, um yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was the, the band leader situation was new for me, but, um, I feel good with our you know, final product, which we recorded, yeah. I guess, a year ago, actually. So, oh, now. wow. Yeah. So I guess August, last August. Um, <laughs> uh, so we kind of sat on that record for a while. Um, I sat on it. It was my fault. Um, <laughs> you guys sat on it. I sat on it. Um, but yeah, we released it. Yeah. No, well, what caused you to release it then? Like, you had it for so long. You just... Well, I mean, Rona. I was like, you know, going to reach out to small labels, even if it wasn't, you know, not like they were going to pay for it or pay us. You know, I wouldn't deign to think that I would, that we could get anything for a record these days. But, um, <laughs> you know, having like a, a name on it is it does something. Um, yeah. and, but then I was just like, just so many things in life. I just ne like never sat down and like wrote people, you know? And yeah. then, uh, you know, a coronavirus hit and it's like, no one's going to be putting music out. No one's going to be, um, or, you know, no one's going to be like shopping to then tour kind of a thing, the normal yeah. prog progression. Yeah. And so I was like, what? I don't want to just have this, in my computer only i i do want people to hear it and that's it you know like i don't care about making money on it i've already lost enough money so it doesn't matter um but yeah i just wanted to people to hear it so it was definitely like a whim it was like in, i emailed them i was like hey let's let's release it okay. oh because oh right the impetus was we had a live stream we had a live stream oh, okay. on like august 2nd and it was released on the 3rd or something like that um and uh yeah anyway so it's like why not whatever what why wait because someone's gonna die soon you know so like that yeah. wasn't actually my reasoning but really <laughs> really oh but it was good though i mean i really enjoyed it and i think that's one of the things where i think one of the things that a lot of people get caught up in with jazz is you know there's so many different styles and variations that when you have certain melodies and again when you can express the emotion through it it's perfect music to just listen to, to vibe out to, to either close your eyes. I know I did a little bit of like, I'm, I always try to give people the attention and just listen to it. But mm -hmm. it's like, I was working while listening mm -hmm. to some of it yeah, too. Yeah. And it was just like perfect vibe music. And I was like, okay, yeah, I feel it, <laughs> I feel it. Well, again, it's just such musicianship, you know, because when you're listening for all the different arrangements, how you have them and how they're structured. For me, I was like, I have no idea how they title these with all the numbers, but like just how you arrange the flow for the actual final record was really, really nice because it lures you in, gets you interested, and then it just keeps going up and up and up. And that's the well, tactfulness I appreciate. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it was did fun. you make the cover art for it? I did. 
So all that, all the painting, is that painting watercolors or what? Watercolors, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Added skills. So how's, I mean, how did that progress? Is that just kind of a thing that you've always done to kind of express yourself or? No, that's only, I think in the last two years or something. I think, yeah, last, I think last year in my master's, I started doing that kind of, I started embroidering and then I was like, would like kind of draw an idea. And then I don't, I honestly have no idea. I think I had watercolors around and I was like, oh, how does this work? And it was fun. So I kept, I kept doing it and I do it on and off. I definitely don't do it, um, often at this point, but, um, yeah. And for whatever reason, I draw, oh, okay. Sorry. No, the reason <laughs> I'm not good at remembering things in order. Um, but I took a, a class, um, it was a composition class at UW during my master's because um, I went there two times. You got to clarify. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it was a multi um, uh, media yeah, yeah. group of people. So there were it was mostly dancers, and then uh, it was Ooh. me and Ronan and a um, like a sculptor. Basically, he made objects, and so you know it was it was more of a like. Uh, learning how to work with other people, collaborate, that's the word. Um, but, uh, you know, I did a lot of like, um, drawing and, uh, water, water coloring for, for that. And it was, it was, it was a good impetus to get outside of my box. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, much success. Cause you know, I think it's, gosh, took me years to get hands down. Like, <laughs> That's the only thing I can do. <laughs> like faces. Uh, just just no. the most difficult thing. Just the hands and the eyes. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, the face. It's like when you try and like draw a face, it's like one side is going to be like this. And the other one is going to be like this. Like I can't, I can't get it to be symmetrical. Not the faces are symmetrical, but you know, I can't make it look like a human face. So. You know, Picasso in his later years was getting millions for That's a good point. Okay. who knows what type of trip that was on. That's a good point. <laughs> But he's already done it, so I can't do it now. Right. Well, I think that's the coolest thing, though, is that it's always going to be your own expression. So in terms of, like, the new works, you mentioned previously that, you know, you got some stuff going with the guitar. What are some of the new kind of sounds you're really trying to put out there? What's some of the new expressions Ooh, you're trying to uh, dive into? <laughs> expressions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty, like, quintessential songwriting, you know, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus maybe yeah, yeah. bridge not not in every song um and um i i don't know i mean i i will often start with an idea or like an experience that kind of sets me off but it, mm. it doesn't it's not like a you know like a breakup album or like you know whatever you know it's not a conceptual thing that I, it's not a consistent line that i'm working with you know it's kind of just like yeah, yeah, yeah. disparate ideas that um, or eventually become a song, which I think generally makes sense. The songs yeah. do. <laughs> um, well, a little flow to it. Yeah. <laughs> all... Oh, that's super cool though. Cause I think the thing is when you have the musical caliber and I know one of the things talked about a little bit in the green room is that you've been getting into, you know, meditation and developing that kind of inner looking. Mm -hmm how do you think it's going to impact things? I mean, like next, it's always going to be an unfoldment of some kind. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely making me think about like how I think about things. I guess that's the whole point. Um, uh, 
Um, but you know, I, I've only been meditating, I guess I have meditated in the past, but not for, well, only for like, you know, stress reduction kind of a thing. Um, but now yeah. I'm, I'm actually like doing some more reading of things and, you know, listening to interviews and about these, you know, various thinkers and meditators. And, um, it's just making me think a lot about, you know, how I move through the world and, mm. you know, what my thought process generally is um and it it hasn't it hasn't really come to how i'm thinking about music making yet also since i haven't really been making music recently um so they have they're kind of like you know catching each other um at the current moment um but you know i guess for for my songwriting experience words word songwriting um it's uh i guess the the best <laughs> um lyrics that i've written <laughs> which are have not really been public um uh, for public consumption yet so that's for uh, only me to <laughs> um you know qualify that as uh, good or best um you know, it the like the thought process. It like it starts with one thing, and it's almost like you know I'm just kind of letting my mind just run, which is you know kind of mm. not what we're or you know in meditation just following following that and and allowing mm. that to happen, and it, as opposed to when I like try and force something. So it's like okay, I want to go, I want to follow this idea. Okay, so like what's a word that rhymes with that? what's <laughs> uh you know or whatever and it's just like forcing it's like well that well, doesn't sound very good as opposed to this you know it's like just kind of a brain you know you know following mm. the ball of yarn kind of a thing um that's where it works best for me anyway mm. just kind of tapping into that deeper intuition yeah building I guess. some separation you could say almost to not getting as caught yeah. up and immersed in things yeah totally and and i think that um especially having come from a very you know maybe overly theorized or educated world of, of music it's like you know i know what note i'm playing i know how it relates to the chord i know what it would mean to do this one or that one after this so you know how what would be the best decision you know it's not like what my ear wants to hear you know so it's like uh, if I get into that headspace of like, what would be good, what's best and like analytical, you know, then that is the the same situation of like, what word runs with this as opposed to like just following and just like, maybe it's going to be garbage, maybe it's going to be garbage, but then it'll be something hopefully I Ooh. like, you know. Well, that's, you said something that really stuck out right there and it's that analytical component to an art form, a expression of creativity. And I find that whenever we get in that, realm you know it's kind of like a seesaw whenever we get super analytical we really lose a lot of that passion and that deeper kind of just natural flow of things totally so in terms of your kind of like the meditation work and these inner these inner lookings and recognitions do you feel like that's really made you kind of reevaluate how we teach music oh my god yeah how we teach music is just the dumbest thing in the world um and like looking back at my okay especially since i'm teaching music that's my job now. Um, yeah. Looking back at my um, like private lessons on piano and like flute in middle school and stuff, it's like, you know, it was just, it was learn the notes, you know, and this note means this. 
and that mean, note means that. And yeah. there's nothing like, you know, this, you know, you're playing this note, but everyone else are playing these notes, you know? And it doesn't like sound so cool or like, you know, if you listen to this recording of this piece of music that we're playing, you know, because Ode to Joy is like, you know, but it's, it's Beethoven, you know? And so it's like, if they're playing, a, I mean, it's going to sound bad if they're in sixth grade or whatever, but, you know, I'm sorry. Um, you know, if they were to listen to Beethoven, they might actually like like it. They might actually feel something as opposed to, you know, like, rah, 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 why aren't you playing in tune or doing this stuff? And I've seen, yeah. you know, seen a couple like um, band teachers like in, in school, which classroom management is just, I don't know how they do it. So kudos to them to begin with. But seeing a couple where it's like yelling at these kids is not any it's not useful in any respect, you know? Yeah. And oh, so, totally. um, but then, you know, going into college and studying music and for both my bachelor's and master's degrees, um, like the, just the overly analytical approach to learning music, playing music in college is, it was, de it was severely detrimental to my, uh, love of music uh, mm. i mean after after i graduated college i um i kind of quit i mean well no i tried to play i tried to get into an orchestra because that's what i like worked so hard for um in my undergrad years um but after failing at that multiple times um it is very competitive i'm not i didn't have my whole heart in it um yeah. but it's like i don't this doesn't mean anything to me you know mm. this this approach doesn't mean anything. And I would much rather like play in rock bands, which I did, you know, and, and just have fun and like have an attachment to, you know, these people and this like feeling, you know, even if this, you know, if I'm playing like three notes in a song or something, you know, so. Yeah. Just the energy of being in the crowd and the energy of being with others on the stage like that. Yeah. It, it's more of uh, yeah, just like a, a feeling. As opposed to, you know, am I playing this note in tune? You know, is the conductor going to look at me? The conductor's looking at me. Shit. You know? um, and, and then in my master's degree, I, the approach was, was much different. Okay. So in my mm. undergrad, I, I studied classical performance. In my master's, I studied um, uh, improvised music. And so, you know, having, having like an actual relationship with, other or i guess sorry the emphasis was on playing with other people on improvising with other people and like listening to them and then listening mm. to you and like actually making music right in for most parts of the you know the stuff that i did there so yeah. that is like that's the point that's the point of music <laughs> so yeah it took me like an extra eight years to figure that out after you know my undergrad and then the four years after that that i took it's well, like it shouldn't take that long well, I mean, I think it's it's kind of the, the cards are against you in that sense, where it's when you look at how they actually teach things in terms of, and I think this is really the most important thing about, you know, spirituality or meditation, it's just the intangible stuff, the inner, the inner looking, is putting you in that position where you can have fun and get in the flow. I think that's the real big thing that I've found is, you know, I could talk for hours and ask, ask anybody, I'm Chatty Cathy, I'll go off doesn't matter what the subject is 
but even in teaching and instruction on my own, like my own self from like fitness wise, or even like meditation spiritual wise, I don't give any like credence to myself at all. It's really just my ability to tap into the flow, which is just that playful childlike self that's always there. Totally. And when we're, I feel like in such an academic setting, because I came from like the biology science background, it was the same thing. Like it killed my love for science. And I was like, dude, you know, the whole point of being a scientist and like looking into this stuff is to explore the unknown. Yeah. But if I have something that was a new observation or something new, everyone's going to like chastise or like bash you for it. It It's not in the book, man. Right. We lost the the point. Yeah, totally. So how do you deal with that type of separation and really building that love and appreciation for your students? Like, have you been able to pass the torch in that sense? Uh, I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm really, I feel really lucky in that most of my students um, do really like playing and they like mm. music. Um, and I think the most important thing is um, figuring out well, A, how they learn, you know, mm. is it reading? Is it listening? Is it b- by playing it themselves? It's by listening to me play it, whatever, um, yeah. whatever combination. And then um, finding what they want to work on, you know, like I, uh, you know, as a bass player, I, I teach both upright and electric bass. And I have a couple students who would, you know, they're in orchestra in school. And that's what yeah. I was, you know, hired to work on with them. But they actually really like playing pop music or, you know, like Motown stuff, you know. Oh, and it's yeah. like, I mean, those bass players, those bass lines are just like just the best. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, OK, so like screw orchestra music. Like just because you're in orchestra doesn't mean you have to love it. You know, it's a credit in in, in, co- or in high school. It's a credit. So, yeah. Not everyone's going to like it. Some people are going to love it. But it's like if you'd much rather just be play electric bass and shred on these Motown tunes, then, yeah, we're going to work on that. And if you're going to practice that for 15 minutes a day, that's amazing. Beautiful. So um, yeah. really trying to just, like, figure out what sounds good to them, you know. And, you know, most of them are in high school or middle school, and so they might not practice. But that's okay. Even if they're excited to work on the thing in the lesson, that's fine. That's great. Yo, oh my gosh, you're like what you just said, though, in terms of how we need to change education is actually pushing the youth towards what they're actually interested in. Yeah. Having them develop their own likes. Yeah. Sounds totally, totally. And in looking back, you know, on my uh, elementary and high school learning, the best teachers, teachers were the ones who gave us projects were like, you figure out how to do this thing, you know, and like you bring me something that is, you know, that speaks to you or whatever that has like some strand of this topic in it. Um, and so, I mean, I know that's hard. That's hard. like I can do that kind mm. of one on one most of the time, but like I can't imagine doing that for 20 or 30 kids at a time, <laughs> you know, like that's insane. So. That's a, whole Anarchy. That's a whole other thing. Um, but uh, y- yeah, I I understand that for a lot of teachers, you know, it's a job yeah. or it becomes a job as opposed to like really wanting to teach, really wanting kids to like learn, you know, and be happy. Well, I mean, it becomes a job and you said you hit the nail on the head like it becomes a job and I get it because it's a similar experience. I think everyone's dealt with 
you yeah. know, and I think especially nowadays, and again, like the Rona has given people that time to really kind of separate and reflect from that cycle and just monotony to like, oh, wow, this is, this is what I'm really doing. Yeah. And it's kind of fascinating because when I look at it, I think 90, I would confidently say like 98% of our society is based on sucking the passion oh, yeah. out of whatever it is you really intend to get into the work for. Oh yeah. And then make money out of it. And see, that's the, that's the catch 22. Cause when you're at that point though, you're no longer really happy nor oh, yeah. caring about making the money about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very interesting listening. Uh, I don't know. There's this, there's this podcast called the happiness lab. Have you ever heard of that? I feel like I have. I don't it's, know if I listen to it. Though. It's really interesting. Uh, it's this uh, woman. She teaches, I think, at like Yale. One of the fancy ones. Um, but, you know, she's like a <laughs> scientist, but it's, you know, human psychology and like how to be happy. But there's a bunch of stuff about like, you know, you get more money and you just get sad. So, yeah, it makes sense. I'm poor. <laughs> I mean, in the, in the you know, grand sense. Um, but I'm I'm liking it like in life so well i mean there's great as there's this old line you know it goes there's great wealth and suffering and there's great suffering and wealth and it's such a weird society that we live in in terms of what we're pushed to aspire for you know and i think it's even more interesting nowadays because you listen to what you know because those of you those of you listening uh you know, Abby and I go like way back, like elementary school, like boys and girls club days, type of things. Like, and uh, it was it, always wild to me because you've always been such like a free spirit. As I kind of teased <laughs> when I was getting you about the interview, like chasing people around the playground, like you know. I don't really remember that, so I don't. I don't know if that actually happened. So, <laughs> but I mean, it's just funny that it's like you know you had to go, you went through this kind of rigorous grind of something that you love, and it kind of was like beat the passion for it out for sure yeah yeah and i don't doubt that it does that with like kind of everyone you know as soon <laughs> as soon as you are faced with the prospect of making money off of this thing or you i mean like i understand like being tested on stuff you know if you're gonna be like a doctor it's like yeah, i want you to know that stuff but like <laughs> you know the 36 hour shifts in the er like maybe not necessary you know right. that kind of stuff whatever um there has to be a better way. There has to. Well, that's the stuff where I'm like, so the one thing that I've learned through meditation is, and it kind of comes back to like what we talked about earlier in that energy aspect of just, you know, I wish I kind of knew this back then about how this was, how this was actually like their forces were kind of fucking with my stuff, mm -hmm. you know, is mm -hmm. that we don't, we don't teach people at all, like the true potential of what the human experience is but when you go through like spirituality or like meditation or spiritual development spiritual path whatever you want to call it you learn things firsthand and it's like that experiential knowledge is the highest form of knowing and like but a lot of it's squeezing out what you thought you knew yeah like it's pretty much everything that and then you're left <laughs> with what was always there and you're just like totally oh yeah this makes sense now oh. they told me this was wrong <laughs> Right. And I feel like that's how so many people in our society are conflicted. So like, I guess the real question that I have for you when it comes to this stuff is what has made you really want to question things? Oh my God. Loaded question. This isn't what spurred on like my current meditating situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that, um, uh, reading and absorbing of materials, but, um, 
I have been taking um, Alexander Technique lessons for the last probably two years now. Ooh, Do you know about that? Okay. So um, it's basically the approach or like learning how to use your body the way it would it should be used basically in that in the and you know people think of it as like a posture thing you know you know like learning how to stand up straight but you know it's it's more of uh learning how to um relearn how to use our bodies and not use our external muscles and using our like inner muscles that are not controlled by our you know active brains you know so like i can like make my bicep hard but i don't want to like pick something and so this is like um my teacher she you know don't lift you don't lift weights you don't you know do any of that kind of stuff so this might not speak to you i don't know what you <laughs> approach it to you but um we'll see, we'll see. you know you, it's not like building muscle you know because yeah. you don't necessarily need like your external muscles to like lift 50 pounds or 100 pounds because if you're able to use your entire back and uh legs you know the way that they are supposed to be used you don't actually have to use all these extra things you know and so i'm sure there's a more concise way of saying this but I have had, um, you know, tendonitis in my hands and I was in a bad car accident a number of years ago. And, and so my back, I've had so many issues with my back. Um, mm. and so that Alexander training has totally, um, opened some new like physical pathways. Um, so that I've re I'm learning how to like use my body. Um, that doesn't hurt me in ways that don't hurt me. Um, and, but the, the thing that I love about Alexander is that it's, uh, completely foreign. It's a completely foreign way of thinking about my body. Only when I've been like kind of tapping into like basically my breath and how to use this air, you know, in here to fully fill out my torso which is massive and it has like a million muscles in it right that that can hold up my entire body you know i don't have to like hold my shoulders in place because they're already in place you know which is like wait what i thought <laughs> i thought i had to like strengthen all these things because i was like broken you know i was yeah, broken by this or yeah. that by doing this a thousand times or by getting hit by a truck you know some way i was broken you know and so yeah. i have to do something extra to fix me Whereas I actually have to do something way, way less. And right. so that is, that's the general approach to Alexander. Okay. I mean, I'm sure my teacher will watch this and be like, you totally, you totally messed up talking about that. But what I actually is, was fascinating recently. There's this author, uh, Douglas Harding. And mm. so he is, um, um, the book that I read of his, I think he has like 15 books, is called On Having No Head. And so he is a meditator. Um, mm. I don't know if there's an exact school that he um, goes along with, but yeah. um, the this book was about learning that he has no head, you know, and that he is um, a void, right? And everything outside that he sees with his eyeballs, theoretically, is um, being projected from the void that he is, right? So this, um, this, I'm still wrapping my head around it, you know, it doesn't really, 
not sure I'm there yet, but it's very interesting. This kind of approach to, you know, seeing something outside yourself and it is you, right? But um, uh, yeah. one, like a whole page of it, he was like, you know, when you get to this point, um, you will feel all these physical feelings in the rest of your body. And it was like the lightness, mm -hmm. like boundless energy, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, you know, feel as if you are all these things. And, um, and it was exactly what I feel like after a, an Alexander lesson, <laughs> when everything is working according to how it's supposed to, you know, it's like, I'm not doing any extra work when I'm hold, you know, moving yeah. or walking or holding something up. Uh, and yeah. and I, I just, uh, told my, uh, Alexander teacher, Jean Barrett, Barrett, if anyone is interested in Alexander lessons. Um, shout uh, out, shout out Jean. Not that I think that she has any room in her schedule, but anyway, um, it, she was like, oh yeah, the, you know, I've never, she didn't know about that guy, but um, mm. basically the, she, she feels the same or has felt the same, like at the end of a, an amazing lesson that she has taken too, like where you are one with the room kind of a thing. And it's like, it's such a kind of a foreign thing to process logically, but you know, I, oh, I think when you feel it though, yeah, it's like it, logic doesn't our, our logic that we've been taught, you know, it's just this, it's all, it all comes back around. It's like, yeah, if you've been taught X equals this plus Y, then, you know, it's all of these other things that we don't have words for yet. Uh, they're not going to yeah. fit into that. Um, so. I love that. No, I haven't heard of that, but it's very similar in the way that I approach fitness and like rehabilitation for clients is, you know, it's a system of levers and pulleys, this mm -hmm. vehicle that we have. And most people don't even use their deep core stabilizers. Again, yeah. it's just like just learning how to breathe properly, like throughout a workout, learning how to have and maintain good posture. Yeah stretching you know and yeah. overcoming tightness in certain areas again because it's like that push and pull yeah so it's fascinating because like when you're i was vibing with everything you're saying especially the uh the douglas harding dude like the void i, I mean because the thing is everyone that's why i love like this type of introspective stuff is because we're all talking about the same scene it's just yeah. different like diction just, just our vernaculars how we see the colors are different you know so yeah i like to see that as you know it's the it's the emptiness it's yeah. that it's that just flow and the coolest thing I think that everyone can relate to is that we always experience it like in conversation in getting a, like a, a task done or something like that. You know, when we're in the, the zone and we're traveling through time, Yeah. And you know, when we're at such peace and relaxation, it's just, it, I guess I like to call it almost the, the intensity, but it's also an intimacy that mm. you're just like shared with mm -hmm. life and that's the concept is like no you're not outside of life you are life we're yeah. all vibing in this ocean of energy I and when you experience that oneness i think that's the coolest stuff is like when you talk about it because it's like yes i try to teach people like that's a state that you can be in all the time because it's not really a state it's what you are yeah exactly and, and just getting like the practices you gain that inertia where it, that just becomes the new normal totally I totally. hijack that propaganda phase. It becomes the, <laughs> it becomes like your, your beingness that just expresses itself freely when you kind of really just turn the dials off on everything else. So like, it's really fascinating. You went through that physical journey. I had no idea about that. Yeah. But see, that's like, that's like right there though. It's, you know, that's a paradigm shift when you finally experience and recognize firsthand, like 
all this shit is just wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it has its time and place for things, but like the true, the true fixes to what we have as ailments in the society are not the approaches we're taking. Totally. Because imagine if that was stuff we learned in PE. We wouldn't well, have uh, uh, overuse injuries. That's for sure. You know, if you like know how to use your body <laughs> and you don't like, you know, I have to like whether you're working in a factory or typing or, you know, playing, you know, it's like yeah. if you just understand how your body is supposed to actually function. Yeah. Well, how would you te- how would you teach people to play um, the stand up or even just like electric in terms of doing it like with more of a a proper alignment? Yeah, I mean, it's since I'm not a certified Alexander teacher, uh, I, and <laughs> especially especially now, um, I can't be in there with them. And like sometimes I would kind of like put my hand like on their hand to see if they're you know tightening up their left hand or something, you know, mm. and or you know on their bicep or something. But now I have to like really make sure that they are checking in with themselves. And so I think yes. the number. Uh, whenever I get a new student, I'm saying, okay, so I am want you. I want you to be the epitome of the lazy bass player. Okay, it's a stereotype. Lean into it. Okay, so you're gonna do like no extra work. I don't want your hand to be. I don't want you know the extra finger. You know, lifting or whatever, or like clenching or this or this. You know, like any extra stuff. So it kind mm-hmm. of like will. Big picture, just like don't. We want you to be very nice and like even, thinking about your breath. And it's so easy. It's all about the mental state. It's all. It's, it's so easy, mm. right? And um, and then you know if there is a problem, then we can figure out how it's it's relating. You know, this way. Um, but yeah, I I think I'm starting them off all in a pretty good spot. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sounds Give it like ten it, years. The, 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 yeah, right. Let's see how the ripple effect goes down. But I mean, right there though is that you're focusing on the causes rather than the effects. And yeah. I think that's something that's always a fundamental shift of you know per, again perspective is when we really look at things from a okay, well, what's the root here? You know, yeah. where's the real issue going on? like you hit the nail on the head i'm so happy that you brought that up because it's just like it's so important just to learn how to breathe how to sit up correctly yeah. and comfortably i feel like yeah. that's also one thing i see in like especially meditations people think they need to be like yeah. super rigid i'm just like <laughs> exactly it's like how do you become relaxed when you're full of tension mm-hmm. it's tense less it's it's the reason why it's called that like yeah yeah. And it's like, how do you use your entire, you know, breath if you, if your torso is compacted to this, you know, skinny, you know, if you, if you're, you know, you have to use your front and your back to hold you up, right? No, Ooh. you just have to use your spine. It's there. Yeah, it's, it's that corset thing where just it's stacked. like, yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because like, it's the perfect, again, I love the parallels with like music and just the bodily functionality and just like the spiritual stuff because Shout out to Ken Caldwell, one of my favorite, you know, teachers ever, you know, for me, he was teaching me trumpet and it was like, you want to hit the high note, like you want to hit this and like the, and how the scale is going in terms of how the notes are played and arranged, like you got to relax your lips. Yeah. Like you got to yeah. relax. I was like, but, and I remember it was such like a Keanu, like, but what? Like, 
Exactly. Tell me what? Because I was like, but you know, that's the air and the pressure. He was just like, nah. He's like, you gotta relax. He's, he's like, spent like five minutes just like relaxing my jaw and lips, just yeah. like. And then after that, I felt so much better. Played it flawlessly. He was yeah. just like, well, there you go. Yep. Oh, I love it. It's the catch twenty two. Life's a paradox. I keep telling people, life is a paradox. It's you have to understand, like the way I see it is, it's such a cosmic joke. It's hilarious because it's like, okay, so each person has this ego that is, it's their greatest rival, but it's also the key for them to figure everything out. Yeah. If they exactly. see it the right way, and it's just like, oh shit, like, and then everything around us is just reflecting really how we see ourselves, mm-hmm. and because that perspective aspect of how you see, how you interpret others when you're assuming, when you're expecting, it's just like, yo, we're purposefully not taught this shit as kids. Yeah. Well, I think it would confuse a lot of kids, <laughs> but then they'd be asking questions, and then that's then they. Probably, probably not talk to them because on fire. exactly. It's probably not talk to them because their parents just can't handle answering all the questions. <laughs> well, it's funny that like you when you look at it even like statistically when you teach philosophy and it doesn't even to be like meditation or breathing. It's just like even when you just tell like old kind of like stories like that, it builds a deeper understanding and it literally relates and improves every field of study that they've done these tests on from Mm. math to linguistic skills, to writing, to reading, to music, to art, like everything goes up when you can really have these kids like get these little wisdom nuggets where they can just like Mm -hmm. process things. Cause having like 10 years working with kids and like different generations of kids, like pre-college, post-college and all that's in like pharmaceutical career. It was wild just to see like, the questioning never changes with kids, but the fact that they're getting introduced into a lot of the things that we touched on earlier, of like the phones, mm. like the toxic social peer pressures yeah. and just people and groups, like they're getting introduced into this stuff, like elementary school, like third grade, second grade, and they're not giving any tools yeah. to really do anything about it. Cause again, like what we, I love it. Cause it goes full circle. Like failure is amplified now in the fear of failure and all these other things the social pressures and delusions is Mm -hmm. amplified right now and then again it comes back to that they're introduced to these like adult things in real addictions way earlier without any type of spiritual or meditative stuff yeah yeah with no coping mechanisms whatsoever abby it's a thank you so much for being on creators chat it's been a pleasure getting to know you and look looking at your bio it's fascinating like you're a UW grad in 2013 uh undergrad is 2013 yes okay but since then I'm like looking like you have what you've accomplished in the last several years I mean takes some people lifetimes to achieve (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I mean yeah I mean the the number of projects that that you have done like back to back to back I Mm. get how you could burn out like that's a <laughs> lot of stuff that you did I mean that's a that's a couple of lifetimes worth of stuff packed into like seven yeah. years here yeah I mean that's even like and who knows what you were preparing for before school so yeah uh you hit the ground running I can definitely say that like you didn't waste <laughs> any time uh and and I, I'm just like blown away like like I I also Got to say that some of my takeaways here were um, the fear of failure, 
mm-hmm. and, uh, and and how you were talking about being comfortable with being not perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how that that made a major shift in my life mm-hmm. and how it occurred uh, was several years ago, I would say a couple decades, but there was a Japanese tourist that I met that was quite a dork. He was very geeky. He was extremely uncoordinated. You could tell he was a, they call a salary man. Like all, it was just an office job, but he, he came to the island of Guam uh, where I was working in tourism and he signed up for everything you could possibly do. Like he went parasailing, he went windsurfing, he went jet skiing, he went, uh, you know, hiking, jungle hiking. Like he did everything he possibly do. And so I was one of his tour guides and one of his tours, and he was telling me everything he's done. And I'm like, so how has it been? He goes, I have sucked at all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, and I don't care if I had waited until I was good to do any of these, I would never get any of them done. Totally. And I went, whoa. And then I had this epiphany at probably 27, 28 going, where is that showing up in my life that I don't even want to attempt anything because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Right? Yeah. And, he, and he told me being mediocre is okay. Yeah. It's better than doing nothing. For sure. And I went, wow, okay. So, but that's been a life lesson, like not being, you know, like it's okay. Like, and, and, and you talked about it. it's okay not being perfect. You can always go back and improve and just yeah. keep improving. And, and, and that's where I get that life is repetition. And so I, I thought that was a very important takeaway. And still, you're so young to have that takeaway. Like you're getting it. Like to me, well, I say It's not young. perfect yet. <laughs> Right. But see, that's where also I heard that is progress, not perfection. Yeah, totally. Totally. And uh, and often I'm looking at how far I have left to go and I get overwhelmed with the insurmountable odds of making it to where I want to be by the certain time frame that I've set for myself. Mm hmm. Instead of looking back and realizing, look how far I've come and look how much I've come. Like, I don't give myself credit for that. Yeah. For how mm-hmm. much I've actually, I, I'm looking at what I haven't done yet. And, and you know, um, which brought me to the idea of how you were talking about musicianship and educating uh, young musicians. Um, I, I am a musician myself. I have, uh, I started playing trumpet when I was probably seven or eight. And, and so I understood uh, the perfectionism that is represented when learning that you have to hit all the notes and yeah. you have to hit them right. Yeah. And so it wasn't about, oh, hey, um, you did really well. You missed that one note. Keep yeah. working till you get that one note right. Well, what about the other 1,500 notes that I hit? <laughs> exactly. Do I get any credit for hitting those right? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's the one note that stood out that you get bashed on. Um, and so, uh, which is a lot of uh, pressure to put on a, you know, I was 10, 11, 12, I was playing first chair and I'd have a solo and I had to get it right. So there's a lot of practice that, you know, a lot, a lot of um, stress and pressure for an 11 year old to experience that, you know, it takes the fun out of being able to just play. Totally. 
And so, um, which is one reason why I chose not to have it be a profession mm. because I love music so much that um, mm. um, I love playing. And this is where I thought as a young age that if I could just get paid to play, like that's my dream job. I don't care yeah. what it is. I just want to get paid to play. Totally. And so, um, and so I, I think I've kind of created that with virtual or studio. I get to play all day. Um, still working on the getting paid part. It's, <laughs> so this is where I, I also have to realize that uh, it brings in my love for music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it brings in my love for everything else that I love is is naturally drawn to it and so that then leads me to how i want to close and that's with uh one of my favorite spiritual teachers of all time deepak chopra and a book that i've read because you you mentioned a lot of good books on having no head like i'm going to look into that one um it's, it's interesting i i need to read it again yeah <laughs> it's confusing you found perspective yeah. it's like poetry you read it now and you're like oh Oh, interesting, interesting. Timelessness to it. that, And every time that you read it, there's something, a new lesson has emerged from it. Or I get a perspective out of something that I thought that I already understood. Totally. <laughs> but, yeah. And so this is this is one that keeps me going. This is my carrot dangling in front of me to keep me motivated. Um, and that is the seven spiritual laws of success. Seek your higher self through spiritual practice and discover your divinity. Find mm. your unique talents and serve humanity with mm. the expressions of your talents. And when your creative expressions match the needs of your fellow humans, well, spontaneously flows from the realm of the spirit to the world of form. I like yeah. it. I like so that. I hear his voice in me, like, discover your divinity, find your new you take talent, serve humanity with it. Yeah. And, and you can manifest all the wealth that you want, mm. you know? And so but wealth, this is where we think of wealth as in financial gains, but wealth shows up in so many ways. It shows up in mm. relationships. It shows up in the quality of life that we experience. Um, and that to me is what you can't put a price tag. It shows up on dignity. It shows up with confidence. It shows up with just being my own truth. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I kind of wanted to end this was with our viewers as well, because I see that you're discovering your divinity. And um, the next part after that is that. <laughs> was <it> Junie? <laughs> well, well, the next part is that we ask the question, how can I help? And rather than what's in it for me. That's the part of the lesson is that when we can say, you know, how can I help? And so listening to your show, you know, watching and listening to the show, I'm realizing how you're helping, like how you're helping students learn and how you're coping and and dealing with it. Because you talked about coping mechanisms, right? Mm. But the fact that you are an empathetic teacher, because you know how you wish you had been taught. Yeah. Yeah. Is what I think see your gift as to this world is that mm. you know I wish I had teachers that were that way that mm. you know I, I I may have pursued my musical career a lot further than I actually have rather than being a closet trumpet player. Totally. Yeah. And so that's that's it. And so I want to end on this now. I want to again thank you for being on Creative Chat. Yeah. Uh, and I want to thank our viewers for sticking with us. It's been a wonderful episode. Have. Uh, happy always. Oh, yeah. 
And that concludes this episode of Creatives Chat. Thank you for watching. Join us every Thursday at 3.33 p.m. Pacific Daily Time as creative minds get together and chat about who knows what. View more episodes on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks for joining us.